It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome in to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, I was thinking about something as I look at myself on the screen here right now. I think I need to get this exact same hat, but a frowny face one for episodes like this coming off of a loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like we do need some sort of, like, sad. It's Yeah. What's the opposite of Victory Monday? Like, I don't know. Like, like there's no... Well, we, no analog, I, I've right? seen Misery, Misery Monday. Misery is something Monday, that, yeah. yeah. And man, does like the weather today just got it on the mm-hmm. act, right? Like I just, the vibes are bad. The vibes are bad. I did, however, like we're going to talk about this game, obviously, and everything that's happened in the last 24 hours. But um, I did say on the final word last night, I feel like I don't want to fall into the trap of like, overreacting to everything that this team does like it it felt like after week one that like the sky was falling and then Mm -hmm. it wasn't and then it felt again after the loss of the texans that the sky was falling and it wasn't and now even though today literally the sky is falling rain anyway they're like Man, I don't know. I can't. I can't talk myself into things being hopeless for this team, just because it seems like every time they get pushed, they find a way to push back. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. Like it was a, and it wasn't like it was a bad performance. But like, I don't feel like that was a bad loss for the state. Like the Jaguars are a good team. And they lose yeah. Minka Fitzpatrick in the first quarter. They're already playing without Cam Hayward. They lose Kenny Pickett in the second quarter. How many AFC teams are going to lose? Are, are going to beat the Jaguars without two of their three best players and a backup quarterback in the second half? Like, right. who, yeah, I, who, I was who's going you... into that game feeling good about that? And that's such. I just, I don't know. It's a pretty good team. They didn't win. They didn't play well, but. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect them to win either. I guess I don't know. Like, where I, I don't feel like this Monday should feel like the end of the world, like some of the others have. Yeah, and, and Nick and I on uh, Friday's episode, actually, when we did our predictions, both picked the Jags to win, but we said that's not necessarily a death sentence for the season for the same reasons that you're saying. Like, the Jags are a really good team, and uh, you know, depending on how the Steelers played, I think was going to determine how I felt about the game. Obviously, you mentioned didn't have a good performance. Obviously, injuries are going to play into that as well. But for me, that is always going to be the bigger thing, like the long term picture after a loss. So while you know moving from four and two to four and three as opposed to five and two certainly stinks, my concern here is how long are they going to be without Minka Fitzpatrick? You know, what, what's Kenny Pickett's outlook look like? And again, with him, the drop off from him to Trubisky, you know, oh, Mitch did not play well on Sunday either in relief. Um, you know, who knows what that is, but it's more just about you want Kenny to play every single rep as the Steelers make a determination here on if he is a guy that you can move forward with. And that's what you're losing every single snap that he's not able to take. So now in a very short week, that's the thing too, Alan, is they got to turn around with a very short week here and get ready for the Tennessee Titans. There's not time to dwell on this for the team. The fans can do it, but the team's got to flip the script right away. And hearing from Mike Tomlin on a Monday as opposed to Tuesday, talking about a lot of these things, um, 
you know, I, I but I did want to would ask you specifically about this game if it if it went the way that you thought it would, like from just an execution standpoint, from like the script of the game, how things went in this one specifically. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I obviously I didn't expect Minka Fitzpatrick and Kenny Pickett to get right. injured. Yeah, but I mean, I I kind of thought that it was going to be a pretty ugly game. I kind of thought there was going to be turnovers both ways. I, and I thought that the Jags would find a way to make one more play. Um, maybe they found out a way to make a couple more plays given but like, look if Kenny's in that game I don't know I feel like that like the one I don't think there's a big difference writ large between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky but the difference that I have noticed is that I think Kenny Pickett does not turn the ball over when they're trailing by a touchdown in the fourth quarter and finds a way to get that drive some points and make it make a game but like even if they go down and score there like given the way that Jacksonville have been able to move the ball, I'd still feel pretty good about the Jags being able to get back in the field goal range and win the game. Something like 20 to 17, which by the way, was the exact score I predicted that they would. <laughs> yeah, like I, mm. like, I don't know. It just yeah. feels like that was right where that game was headed the whole time. And the, the, the picket injury kind of made it so the Steelers couldn't make that push in the, in the fourth quarter, but, the, the story of the Steelers season and the story of the Steelers offense is that they have to find a way to not need that push. Like even with it in there. Yeah. Even with Kenny in there, like there's, they've got to find a way to not need to score in the fourth quarter. Like they've got to find a way to be in the lead to, to not need to come from behind all the time to start faster on offense. God, I feel like we've talked about starting faster on offense like 150 times already, and it's yep. only October. But that's the whole story here is that it, and and really like on a short week with two practices, whether Pickett plays or not this week, you can't feel good about them having time to fix any of that in two days either, right? I mean, it just feels like this is another game where they're going to have to find a way to win late, like that. That's just for better or for worse. That's going to have to be the mo for right now. Um, looking at this game, I think it you know you could say <laughs> a lot of things and say they didn't do this well. Was there anything at least to give us a little bit of positive? You thought that they did well in this game on either side of the football. I thought the defense did a good job of in general bending but not breaking. They did give up the one big play to Travis mm-hmm. Etienne, and if you want to know more about that. Uh, go to SteelersNow.com. Derek Bell wrote like a thousand words on actually maybe more than a thousand words on just that play, breaking down exactly what happened. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, you, you got to read it. You got to be a Steelers Now Plus subscriber. Get your ten uh, percent ish promo code off uh, using the promo code Allen Ten, and uh, it's it's really good. And Derek kind of breaks down that. Maybe it's probably on Joey Porter at the very worst. It's a, a miscommunication, um, mm-hmm. which is what Mike Tomlin said it was. Look, when people were talking about, oh, they need to play Joey Porter more, I said there were going to be mistakes that come with that decision. We've seen now two two weeks in a row. Um, but, you know, I think in general, Joey's playing well. I, I do think they did a good job of just keeping a lid on it, making the Jaguars make long drives, make multiple – uh, first downs, you know, keep them kind of from making those big explosive plays. I feel like that was the a good thing the Steelers defense did on offense, man. Yeah. Yep. 
Like, who can yep. you say on offense had a good game? Uh, I. Jalen mm, Warren. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, what the drive where they scored? Yeah, the drive where they scored had to settle for the field goal. Like what Deontay picked up like four for it seemed like Deontay was starting to cook on that one drive, but it obviously wasn't consistent. He had two drops on that very first drive that killed. Um, I mean, I, George didn't have the opportunities, I yeah, guess. I mean, the first play of the um, game maybe. should have been 40 yards. Yeah. Yep. And who knows how that, yeah, you know, drive yeah, turns out. Should have been 40 yards. Pickens, man, like I, I guess he wasn't bad and that he was double covered a lot and, Mike Tomlin said today they've got to find more ways to get on the ball, but he wasn't making like any kind of big impact either. I don't know. Yeah. Very few guys in the offense you could say played well. And and also like in addition to poor play, like just a bunch of Deontay Johnson falls down, you know, mm-hmm. Chuke slips in pass protection in the second play of the game. Um a couple of absurd penalties. Like, there's a lot of random bad stuff that happened to the Steelers. It's basically unpredictable and and probably won't continue, but negatively impacted the way they played in that game. Um, I want to ask, and this is kind of like, I don't want to say they coincide hand in hand here, but both on my mind at the time. We've once again seen Rodney Williams play more snaps than Darnell Washington, um, and obviously Connor Hayward playing more snaps than both of them, kind of being the the number one tight end in the offense right now. Um, but even with that, none of them have been like that involved in the passing game. And how much do you think this offense is hurting from the lack of a receiving weapon behind Deontay Johnson and George Pickens? Well, I think they absolutely need another receiving weapon, uh, but I don't think the answer is just throw the ball to Darnell Washington more. Like, I, I don't know. I I don't think he's a very dynamic receiver. I think, you know, if they leave him wide open, he can catch the ball. But he's not bringing a whole ton to the table in terms of playmaking. Um, I still think that their best offensive personnel involves two running backs on the field. Maybe set for a few snaps. I, I would do it as much as possible, especially without Friar move. Connor Hayward's okay. I like his hands. I think he's mm-hmm. a pretty good athlete for a guy his size. But he's not – nobody's spending hours game planning for any of those guys. Yeah, they just – here's what we're going to do with Pickens. Here's, uh, Pickens, here's what we're going to do with Johnson. Here's how we're going to minimize Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And the rest of them, I don't know, we'll figure it out. You know, and so – could they be throwing the ball to tight end more? Probably, but I don't think that's some kind of answer to all their problems. Like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I would, if anything, I would be wanting more of, of Harrison Warren together. The other thing is, you know, it's really hard to break down anything they're doing on offense when they're just not getting any first downs. Like, they, they're never on the field. They, they barely run any plays. And so, you know, we're probably not even seeing, and Mike Tomlin alluded to this today, like it's not even, we don't even get to see what they intended to do because, like, your, your script of your first 10 plays did not have ever involve three of those being third and long. Like, that's unheard of. Like, you know, like the, the, even the script has to go out the window when you're, when you're struggling 
as mightily as they are struggling right now to have consistent offense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, in, in Calvin Austin and Allen Robinson, they're not giving you anything as receiver. Like, I just, I don't know where the number three, I just, Jalen Warren is the number three option in the passing attack right now. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that's why I think he should be on the field with Harris because I think that's just the most dynamic playmaking group. Um, give me those four guys, and then whoever you want to make the fifth guy is fine by me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Calvin Austin gets an end around, a reverse. Go watch that reverse and go, like, freeze frame where Calvin Austin is when he turns the corner. They have everyone in the screen blocked that you can see. And you're like, like, don't look at that freeze frame. Like, how did this play not gain any yards? Like, it's impossible. But there, it happens. Like, with the fastest guy on the team, there's no one that's playing well. Like, that, I mean, and honestly, again, and I feel like I beat this drum a lot, but does Matt Canada own responsibility for the fact that, like, most of his offensive players aren't playing very well? Yeah. Are the play calls the problem? Not really. I mean, we got Jaguars players saying, like, oh, yeah, we were calling out the plays. Like, first of all, everybody on defense that's any good can call out plays. Second of all, if you were calling out the plays, then, like, what, again, like, why is Deontay Johnson wide open? Why is George Pickens wide open? Like, if the Steelers just – if the Steelers just get, just get average execution, they've got some big plays in that game, and they're just not even close. I don't know what to, uh, you know, I think if you want to be real critical of Matt Canada, you're going to find a way to run the ball. They never even really tried to establish the run, especially in a game where the, the, the you know, the, the conditions were not very good for throwing. But, man, like that, they're not good at it either. You know, I, I just don't – offensive line, I don't know if you want to hold him responsible for that. They had an awful game. Awful. Yeah. I, all five of them. Like, I don't think anybody – it's like Sam Oliver was okay. Daniels was okay. I don't know. That it was it was that's not a very talented defense. And and the offensive line got whipped. And uh and really I don't know how that can continue. And that's with the weather conditions where we feel like this game had to be won. Like they had to establish that on the ground in order to have a shot in this football game. And I actually from like I know that he had the big play in the receiving game. But I thought like they did like an okay job holding Travis Etienne down as a runner yesterday. Like at least more than they came into this game allowing 140 on the ground. He had about 80. Yeah, they did fine. Like again, it was like a bend but not break thing. Like they give him some yards. I think the deep that's a defense gave him 20 points and and had three turnovers, two turnovers, three turnovers. Um, three, three turnovers. Yeah. That's good enough most of the time to win. I don't think the defense was perfect, but I have a real hard time nitpicking the defense when the offense can't get out of its own way. And furthermore, the the offense was so bad that it was like, look at the first the first drive. I mean, it's a three and out with no yards, then a shanked punt, then the defense bad call against James Pierre on third down. I'll say it. Our steers don't need to say it. Bad call. And that's it. That's all the Jaguars needed to score three points was one bad call. They didn't even gain any yards, and they got three points. Like, the offense can't be – the offense and the special teams, and Presley Harvin had a miserable game also, 
that they can't be that bad where the defense is just like 10 yards away from giving up points all the time. Like that, it's not sustainable. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, to uh, add insult or injury to insult here, we've talked about the injuries a little bit, but touching on them mm-hmm. more with Minka Fitzpatrick and Kenny Pickett, we know Minka's not going to be out there on a short week. I, I really have to question if Kenny is as well. I mean, you know, if you don't finish a game on Sunday, what are the chances you're going to be able to turn around and be out there on a short week on Thursday? Um, but I, I don't know if you have thoughts on those. Uh, it's it's hard to judge injuries, obviously, this early in the week. Tomlin didn't necessarily give us a whole lot other than rolling Minka out for Thursday at this point. But um, where are you with that? And how can the Steelers, especially on the back end of this defense, make up for that loss? Well, I mean, Minka, I mean, non-contact injury, very quickly ruled mm-hmm. out of the game, very quickly ruled out this week. I'm at the point with Minka where I feel like I would be surprised if he plays next week, uh, given the, the the circumstances of the injury, like uh, hamstring, you know, notoriously lingering injury as well. Um, yeah. Feels like that's at least a medium term absence from Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, on the other hand, Kenny Pickett, you know, no structural damage, which means you know when we're talking about bruised ribs, didn't break anything basically. Uh, it'll all be about pain tolerance and whether he can be effective playing through the pain. Kenny's a tough guy. I will actually be surprised if he does not play. I just think they're wasting their time if he's able to play and he doesn't. Uh, it's not an injury where he can hurt himself more. It's just about being able to play through the pain. I, I, I know Pickett's going to try to play. I know he's going to want to play. And I think they'll probably mm. let him play as long as he looks like he can throw a football on, on Thursday, on Wednesday. Yeah. What's so when he, when I saw that shot and even the replays of it, I actually was worried about the shoulder mm-hmm. on that too. Cause I know he took the contact to the ribs, but just like the way he landed on it as well, but there's been no conversation about that. Right. Like we're strictly looking at what happened to the ribs there. Yeah. It's just ribs and, uh, and not broken. So, I mean, quarterbacks can play with broken ribs too. Like it's, it's so I, I think it'll, it's just about how much it hurts. Um, you know, assuming there's some kind of attempt at a pain shot on Sunday that I, I don't know, I'm speculating, but that's usually the process there. Um, obviously, he didn't feel like he could come back in, so he will have to be feeling better than he was yesterday afternoon. But by Thursday, I'd be surprised if Kenny doesn't play. Okay. All right, there we are with that. Then, was there anything else that uh, that Tomlin addressed today that you were, you know, whether it's oh, I guess we could bring up the officiating because it didn't seem like Tomlin would spend too much time with that, even though the players were very outspoken about it yesterday, and obviously the fans. Yeah, I mean, Tomlin was for him pretty outspoken after the game. Said he'd never seen anything like the field goal penalty in seventeen years. Um, he was he addressed it in his opening today and said, like, we need to beat teams decisively and not be in a position where one play or one call can sink us. And I think that's the appropriate mindset for the head coach to have and the team to have. But let me just say this, it's wrong. Like every NFL game is close. There are very few blowouts in the national football league and it was not one bad call. It was about nine. That was an embarrassment of a, an officiating job by that crew. Uh, I, I don't call for people to be fired, but I'll tell you this, 
if I was a head coach and that crew was coaching my game, I'd be asking for a different one because I don't feel like they're competent at their jobs. And I don't know how anyone, even the calls that they got right, they needed to huddle together and talk about and discuss to figure out what the right call was. Um, just one of the worst officiating performances I've seen. And it, it, it they've got a, it's an $18 billion business. They've got to find a way to do better. It's embarrassing. Uh, it, it makes for a horrible product. It makes for a product that people don't have faith in. I got a million people on, on Twitter yep, telling me, yep. oh, it's rigged. And by the way, it's not. It's bullshit. <laughs> Nothing's rigged. But like, it, yeah. it's, it puts the perception of it out there that there is, you know, okay, we've got to find a way to do better. And I mean, I, I don't know how you can say that that the Steelers did not take the brunt of it in that game either. And look, it's been the other way other times, certainly. Yeah. But, man, like three points on the James Pierre pass interference, three points on the Boswell, uh, a ridiculous penalty on Isaac Samalo. We can get into that specifically. I mean, that, that right there is that's a whole different game. I 100% agree. I mean, that change, it would have been, what, 9-6 going into the half. Um yeah, I mean, I feel like you feel a lot better about if yourself you in that the, position. If you get the 15-yard penalty for the hit on picket, it's probably yeah. not 9-6 going into the half. If they get the clock right on the previous play, oh. you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that, that sequence would be into the first half. Mm-hmm. The spot of that. People were mad about the spot in the Rams game last week. Their Steelers got certainly got a break. That was a spot. It was off by like maybe a yard while the quarterback was buried in a pile of humanity. Yeah. This spot, the quarterback's going out of bounds all alone by himself. There's one guy that can barely reach him, and it's right by the stick where he's going out of bounds. And they missed that spot by two whole yards. Like it wasn't even remotely close. Then the the absurd to call that a forward fumble is absurd he's already the ball's already out of bounds when he fumbles can't be a forward fumble they, they screwed that up too cost the Steelers 10 seconds and then Kenny gets look I'm fine with the hit on Kenny Pickett not being called roughing the passer I, I don't like that call I, the body weight thing I think I think it's a bad rule I, I don't like it uh, I think it makes her an inconsistent standard that is really hard to maintain from game to game and down to down. That's exactly what you see. You see Keanu Neal get get called for a hit that is less violent, less injurious, and less than the hit that that Adam Gosses puts on Kenny Pickett. It's really impossible to officiate that standard perfectly. It's really hard, but they didn't come close. Like, clearly, Mm -hmm. the more dangerous, more violent hit was, was not penalized than the less dangerous, less violent, less avoidable hit was. I think the NFL needs to do more to help out its officials, but they got that call wrong too. I mean, the Steelers should have had more time. They should have had their quarterback. They should have had 15 yards if they didn't have their quarterback. Like, just an absolute mess of a game by that crew. And it didn't really get better after that either. I mean, like, the call, like there was one the other way. Calvin Austin gets a gift of a defensive pass interference penalty. A ball that's 10 feet over his head. Like, I, it was just a horrendously officiated game. And it really made, I mean, it makes a huge difference in the way the game plays out. 
Yeah, and I, I didn't do any research about this officiating crew, so I don't know if you would have the information, but like, you know, the other games that they've officiated this year, have they all kind of looked like this in terms of the number of penalties or, you know, the, the calls that they are making, whether they've been on the bad side of things like this? I know it's a very inexperienced crew. Adam Eck is okay. a new referee. He had been an umpire for six years, mm. uh, and before that was a side judge, and before that worked the Big 12 Conference. I mean, look, he's got a good resume. He was a quarterback at Bloomsburg, played Division II football, uh, worked at the, uh, one of the West, I want to say like Big Sky or Mountain West, one of those conferences. And then he was at the Big 12, seven okay. years on an NFL crew. Like the guy's got a good resume, uh, but but it was a disaster of a game. Yeah. Um, and it just can't happen. It, it just can't. Like there's, there's no excuse for it. There's no reason for it. We've got to find a way to make things better. Simpler is certainly a help. And, and let's talk about this. Uh, the, the, the penalty on Isaac Samalu is a classic yeah. example of everything that's wrong with NFL officiating. Okay. So here's the rule. Okay. The rule is that the width of the ball is the neutral zone. You're not a lot. No one is allowed to line up over the ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you can very clearly see that, if, if you find the still shot, that both Sam Alu and the left end of the Jacksonville Jaguars are lined up over the ball. And then if you were going to call anything, you should have called offsetting penalties. Um, but here's why it's real dumb, okay? The standard is the rule, but, you know, the, the way the NFL rule book was written, it was not intended for us to be able to tell whether Isaac Sam Alu's head is two inches overlapping with the football like that's not this, this is a rule book that's 100 years old and the idea of this is to not allow players to get an advantage the, the point is to not allow players to get an advantage if you're running a quarterback sneak and the offensive line is firing off the ball forward if you're running the tush push yeah man you want that guard as far forward as possible to get leverage and to gain forward momentum and yardage before he gets into that defensive line. That's where calling a penalty on the guard there might make some sense. Players are coached on a field goal protect team. You want to be as far back from the line of scrimmage as possible. You want your you, – there's, there's coaching points. Like you have to make sure that your head is on a line with the center's midsection so that you don't get flagged for an illegal formation the other way. That's where the advantage is for the blockers on a field goal. There's no reason to call that penalty because it is not giving the Steelers any advantage to have Samalu be forward. In fact, he's at a disadvantage. And that's why the penalty never gets called. That's why Samalu says, I line up that way every time. I've been doing it for eight years. Like, it's, and, and that's the whole problem with NFL officiating is that you have analog rules in a digital world and you have the way things are written and the way things are called, and that's often two different things. And then when you get inexperienced officials that frankly don't know what they're doing, don't understand the game, and don't understand how to manage the game, like for 50 years, if someone was lining up offsides, someone would see it. Then the official goes over to the player and says, hey, 73 is lining up offsides on field goals. Don't do it anymore. And then if they do it like three more times, then maybe you'd call a penalty. But 
Like we've lost the ability to manage a game as officials. The rule book doesn't line up with reality anymore. And, you know, at some point they need to simplify things and make the rule book make sense for the modern era that they've just never taken the initiative to do. You know, it's like baseball and the neighborhood play. The neighborhood play was a thing for 50 years. Then we put in instant replay. Then there was this conflict. What do we do? And then baseball's like, okay, here's what the new standard is going to be. They've adapted to the times and figured out a way to make things work. Football needs to, to catch up. They need to find a way to make these rules fit with the technology and make it simpler on their officials. But their officials have to be better too. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I don't want to give them an all. And they should. And and the last thing, the easiest thing, make them full time employees for crying out loud. Yeah. Like this, this is the easiest step they could take. They don't even want to make that one. It really makes it look like they don't even trying to have well officiated games. Yeah, I mean, I was going to bring that up too, you know, I, but when you have people like Mike Pereira even, who's the roles analyst on Fox, former vice president of officiating in the NFL, saying in Pittsburgh, offsides on the offensive guard, question mark, officials are told to call that if a lineman has his head in the neutral zone on a short yardage push play, not on field attempts, which is what exactly you said. Yeah, well, how about this? Mike Pereira used to be an NFL referee. And now mm-hmm. he and he used to be the NFL vice president of officiating. And now he works for Fox. And there's another guy who works for CBS. And there's another guy who works for NBC. And there's another guy who works for ESPN. And now clearly these are guys that are not ready to be retired. Um, they didn't want to run up and down the field anymore and still be referees, but they know the game better than the guys on the field know the game because they're making corrections to the call. Why doesn't the NFL have them in the booth on the radio? fixing these calls for us instead of telling us on Fox what the NFL got wrong. (laughs) Why is the NFL letting someone else pay Mike Pereira to tell the world why their officials are wrong? They could pay Mike Pereira and did pay Mike Pereira to fix their own officiating. Put him in the booth next to those guys, get him on the radio. We saw the XFL do it, right? Say, hey, Mm -hmm. look, uh, you guys screwed that up. That shouldn't be the call. Take the flag up. Okay, done. We could have better officiating with the same people that are already around. The, te- uh, the technology exists. The people exist. I, I, it's bonkers to me. Yet nobody has more money than the NFL, not even Fox. Like, what, what, why? It's not like they got outbid. Like, they just got outcared about their own officiating. It, it's a ridiculous. Which I think is a great way of encapsulating the issues with NFL officiating it it does it just seems like a lack of care on their part I the the fact that they're not full-time just absolutely blows my mind I'm out think about the things that they could be doing in the offseason you know whether it's like training sessions seminars other things like a a program for up-and-coming referees like all the things that they could have in place if they were full-time yeah I mean it's it's a, and you know the rules of of the game are much different when you're an employee versus an independent contractor. It is a lot mm-hmm. easier to hold an employee accountable for negative performance. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. easier. Like, you know, it, you know, obviously referees have a union or a guild or whatever they call it. And that, that's part of that too. But, you know, it's, I think a lot of it is they don't want to hold referees accountable. It, you know, and, and I get that, but um, there's, there's gotta be, it just does not seem like there's even being an effort made to have well officiated football games at this point. It's extremely frustrating 
to dedicate time into covering the, the, the league and, and to have the league seem like it just doesn't even care whether the product in the field is, is good or not. When, uh, Alan, when do we typically find out about fines coming from the league? Because I think there's going to be some guys on the Steelers and players and coaches potentially getting calls from the league. Saturday, we'll find out about fines okay. from this past week. Um, maybe because the Steelers play Thursday, maybe it'll be earlier, but I don't think so. Usually it's Saturday. Um, and I can tell you that Deontay Johnson is going to get fined, uh, mm-hmm. at the very least. And man, um, Chris Boswell, did you okay? So I don't know if you saw my tweet about it, but did you notice Chris Boswell at all right before half? No, because I don't think a lot of people saw it. Yeah, a lot of people didn't seem to see it because I, I was watching him specifically. Literally, every official that he could get to, he said something to, and Broderick had to literally grab him before they went in like it was he was saying something to everybody that he could <laughs> he was getting his uh problem maybe his money's worth because we'll see if fi- so can they be fine even if they don't say something in public can the like will they take officials words for it like hey this player said something to us or like how's uh, that work? i i doubt it okay. it's possible but probably unlikely or what about like with social media posts yeah, no, that's that's fair game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, like, Boswell had a post on social media. He could be fine for that. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly possible. And and you know, I don't I don't know if Mike Tomlin will be or not, but he certainly could be as well. You know, um, I I don't think that that he said anything wrong. Yeah, and that's right. the other thing is like the NFL has this policy that no one's allowed to criticize the officials. They're making zero effort to have officials that are beyond criticism, like you're putting your own people in an impossible situation when the referees are so bad that the whole world can see that they're bad. You, you know, it's unfair to your players that they have to keep their mouth shut. About it. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Uh, Alan, anything else that you want to touch on as we wrap up here? No, I mean, I think that's a good place to end it here. We'll have more tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow is the coordinator's day, and then Wednesday mm-hmm. there is no availability, but the team will practice. So uh, we'll have more there. And, uh, yeah, move A little bit of a – one thing that I absolutely do want to bring up tomorrow as a little bit of a tease is we got to talk about Will Levis for the Tennessee Titans, right. his first performance. All right, but we will talk about that tomorrow and obviously much more that we get to talk about how he eats a banana. No, we're, we won't talk about his – don't worry. We won't touch into the food habits at all, but – uh, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At A Sounders underscore PGH on Twitter. At PGH Steelers Now as the site's account, SteelersNow.com. That's where the words are. Read them so I can get paid. There we go. I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. Find me on all platforms. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Leave us a comment. Hit that five-star review if you are listening somewhere else. Other than that, for Alan Saunders and myself, thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. 